0: is going to recite for us Leviticus 15, so, no.
1: Good morning, can you hear me?
0: It's a little joke we like to play on our congregants, there we go.
1: I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, I'm the pastor apparently, yeah. <laughs> I can give, just as good as I get. So uh, my name's Ryan, my wife Alicia and I have the privilege of leading our marriage uh, we facilitate a class here, uh, usually every year, and this one we're doing a little different. It's the Marriage Insights Institute that Chris and Tara Borghese, uh have developed and put on, put on. They're coming here, obviously, you guys know that. A lot of times I feel like announcements get a little bit glazed over, so I asked for the opportunity to share um, that we are we are facilitating this class relating to this weekend that that you guys are coming to, and it's. Uh, It's just a good idea to work on your marriage. Um, (laughs) Your marriage, and and here are values, you know, kingdom, healthy kingdom families, it starts with the marriage, and your your husband and wife relationship is the single most important relationship, you know, except for your relationship with God, and... Why not work on it? It takes work, and it's under attack in this country, in the world, and we just get distracted and think we're okay, and things are just, eh, and next thing you know, you're not doing well. And so this is uh, bullet points from my friend Chris. So We love the Borghese's. We've known them for years. And so when we found out they developed this, we were like, we, we're doing this. We're doing this with you guys. So he said, it's for thriving marriages you wish to maintain, for marriages that are satisfactory but could use some improvement and for marriages currently facing challenges.
0: Hold on, that's, that's every kind of marriage, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. All right, all right. That's so that's if you're good. married, this all fits. Right.
1: Um, and I just thought it was awesome, Mary, you hit that this morning with the song, The Waymaker. And sometimes I just feel like we have to get in, in the way of what God's doing and, and be intentional. And so I think silence is a, is a dangerous thing. It's like staying behind closed doors. We don't really advocate for our marriage. It's a super important thing. And I feel like we owe the world an encounter with God good. through our marriages. I feel like it's, a, it's supposed to demonstrate his love for the church. And so if we're just kind of moseying through life, we're missing it. So this is discovering the keys to enhancing self-awareness and improving understanding between you and your spouse. Effectively minimize conflicts. Listen to this. Effectively minimize conflicts by employing the right words at the right time and for the right reason. I could use some help with that myself. Uh, Master the skills of connecting, communicating, and relating by equipping yourself with the tools to foster lasting, positive changes in your marriage and your family. Gain insights into the instruction manual or relationship blueprint for you and your spouse, equipping both of you for a successful marriage. So we're starting our class uh, February 8th, so like the weekend or two after. The eighth
0: eighth day after February starts. The
1: eighth day after February, and it's on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 9. It's only six weeks. It's a $197 investment in your marriage. It's it's a really good idea, I'm telling you. So um, most of the time we do our class, it's 12 weeks. This one we're doing in six, so really trying to pull this tight in so that people can commit and be it every single week so please come please sign up go to zionequip.com Go on events under those uh tabs there you'll see an opportunity to register for that so love it thank you thanks
0: <clears throat> yeah think of it like a, a marriage immersion right so you're getting immersed in the weekend but then you need a way to walk it out and so this will be a great, play- great way to do that are right, you guys ready all right, almost 20 years ago, um, my wife and I bought a house in North Carolina that we uh, used to live in. Now it's a rental property. And we got an inspection. I'm not sure the guy did the best job in the world on it, okay? So after the inspection, um, you know, we lived there a few months, and there began to be some cracks in the walls. And so, you know, I got out the plaster, not plaster, whatever, the drywall, you know, mowed over the cracks and everything, and uh, then we moved away. And so the renter came in there, and a few years into it, He's like, hey, Jim, there's these uh, severe cracks in the wall. I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. He already repaired those, you know? And so uh, he was a contractor. And further investigation, he gives me a second phone call. And imagine getting these words. Hey, Jim, the foundation of your house is crumbling. Now, I'm not a contractor or a structural engineer, but there was no part of that sentence that I was enjoying. And so uh, he's like, hey, it's about a $50,000 fix. And I'm like, I don't have that right now. This is uh, is going to be interesting. And uh, listen, when the... um, I'll tell you the rest of the story here in uh, in just a little bit. But listen, guys, when the foundation is cracked, you can keep repairing the walls as much as you like, but that house is going to continue shifting, okay? And I feel like uh, if we don't have the foundation for marriage, which we're going to cover today, um, it doesn't do you any good to deal with cracks in the walls. All the things that Chris and Tara are going to talk about are going to be incredible if you have the right foundation. If you're just trying to use better communication techniques and understand the other person better and you don't have this foundation, which we're going to sum up in one word, it probably is going to shift over time, those cracks are going to appear even if you plaster over them. How are we doing? All right. And so, um, yeah, if marriage were a house, there's many marriages today that have cracks in the walls, but they're not addressing the foundation issue. So I want to uh, condense the solution down to one word. Okay. Does that sound good, everybody? The easy button here? One word. If you get this one word and you implement it, it can transform any relationship, no matter how many cracks are in the wall of your relationship, if there's any at all. You guys ready for this word? All right, let's turn to uh, the Italian prophet Malachi, also known as Malachi, chapter two, verse fourteen. Some of you heard Malachi. You're like, is tithing? Is that the key? No, 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 no. This isn't the tithing verse. So uh, Malachi chapter two, verse fourteen, in the context of uh, uh, Israel, he says, "You have been unfaithful to her." To her, oh, they, actually, Israel was wanting to get a divorce. Um, you have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner. I want you to get this. She is the wife of your marriage covenant. Wow. The wife of your marriage covenant. Covenant is the word I want you to get, get, get deep down inside of you. This is the one word that if you understand it and implement it, it will, fix your, it will, it will put the, any relationship on the right path. Now, if you guys remember last fall, we did a series on the blood covenant. Does anybody remember that? And um, we saw that a blood covenant is a lot more than just a legal contract. A legal contract is like, oh, well, there's a contract, there's a way to break that, there's a kind of way of getting out of it. And so I mean, I'll give you my definition of a blood covenant that we use this fall, and then we're going to be applying it to marriage. It's an unbreakable obligation that creates a relationship where the two come together and become one, and it is sealed by the shedding of blood. I would submit to you that... Uh, that marriage, when God calls it a covenant, he didn't have like a whole different kind of covenant in mind. He had the covenant where the two are coming together for an unbreakable relationship, and the two are become one, and there's a shedding of blood. Now, the shedding of blood in marriage is not supposed to take place like years down the road from arguments. It takes place on the wedding night. You can figure that whole thing out. God gave you a hymen. There's a covenant coming together, a shedding of blood. Okay, there we go. How many, how many figured you'd hear the word hymen today in church? My wife raised her hand, yeah. It's difficult to surprise her lately. I'll see what I can do as we go on. So the first step towards intimacy with God is recognizing I've got a relationship that's unshakable. I've got a relationship where he is irrevocably committed to me. He loves me unconditionally. It's going to be hard to, hard to get close to a God that you think is moody. Sometimes he's for you, sometimes he's against you. Sometimes he might want to heal you. Sometimes he might want to give you sickness. Sometimes he might want to bless you. Sometimes he might want to curse you. That's the God that a lot of people get presented. That's not the God of the Bible. It's very difficult to get intimate with a God who might fly off and just want to smite you with cancer at some point. Okay? The foundation for any relationship to become intimate is to have the safety and covering of a covenant. Okay? When you study the blood covenant, it's really a study of the faithfulness of God. Okay, And so in the same way, your first step towards intimacy with God is understanding the kind of relationship you have with them, this unmovable, unshakable, irrevocable covenant. It's the same step towards marriage. It's going to be difficult to become intimate with someone. Into me, you see, to really get to know somebody, for the two to become one. How many of you guys recognize you become one flesh on your wedding night, but it takes a while to walk out that oneness? When you got saved, you became one with God. How many of you realize you're still learning how to walk out that oneness, so you're representing him accurately? Okay, so the two become one flesh, or this oneness. What makes this oneness work is having that foundation of covenant, where you know this person isn't going to leave if I behave. If, if the real me comes out to play, I can actually show them the real me, flaws and all, and they're still going to love me because we're in covenant together. How we doing? Okay. All right. <laughs> Waymaker, miracle. Yeah. All right. Covenant is the foundation. Trying to improve your communication can only go so far. Okay? Building walls on top of sinking sand is only going to do so much to provide a house. We need that foundation. Covenant is the, is the foundation. It's the covering. Covenant is like holding up an umbrella over your life. It protects you from these outside elements. It doesn't stop the outside elements from coming, but it does stop them from coming into your life. There's an attack on marriage, guys. There is an enemy out there looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And covenant provides you a protection. It doesn't stop the attacks. It just makes it so the attacks don't get inside your house. God said, this is the wife of your marriage covenant. This means you and I need to understand how a marriage covenant works uh, for you and me. Most people, even Christians, do not see marriage as a covenant. They see it as a contract. Okay. Here's the title of the message. Here's the whole point of the message. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. whoa, whoa. Yea yay that I say unto thee. That I, did I hear one? I, do I hear a second? Yay. It's so beautiful when it's unsolicited and I don't have to beg for it. Okay, there we go. No, I, I know you guys are probably just thinking, so it's good. All right, so let's compare a covenant to a contract. Okay, I think we're going to have this definition of come a covenant up, come up, some characteristics of it. A covenant is unilateral, unconditional, permanent commitment, valid at least until death. Okay? So some covenants continue on beyond death. We saw that with David and um, Mephibosheth and that whole thing. Uh, a covenant is a unilateral. I'm going to go through each one of these. Unconditional, permanent commitment, valid at least until death. Covenant does not depend upon the performance of the other party. Boy, did anybody hear that last one? Wow. Someone's thinking, I can't wait for my spouse to change. Here's the, here's the good news, bad news. You're the one who's going to be doing most of the changing. If your list of ways to serve your spouse isn't longer than theirs, then you're not doing this thing right. Oh boy, here we go. I'm going to be saying some things today, but don't get mad at me. I'm just reading what I wrote, okay? So Let's look at unilateral. Unilateral means I'm making this covenant for your benefit, not just for my benefit. Okay. Right? Because, yeah. Because of who I am, I'm choosing you over and over and over again. I'm making this choice to love you today, and I'm going to have to make that choice many, many times over. Unconditional means I will do this regardless of what you do. So when you're nasty, when you're mean, when you say things, when you don't laugh at my jokes properly,
1: <clears throat>
0: <laughs> I'm going to continue to love you because love is who I am. Love is what I'm bringing to the table. It's not what I'm waiting to get from you. Are you seeing how this is what God has with us? And He's saying, hey, can you imagine this in a marriage? We're going to show how to get there in a second. And permanent, nothing can weaken the bond. I love one of the phrases in a typical marriage vow, till death do us part. Right? Nothing but death shall separate us. Something like those lines. What's it talking about? It's a permanent bond. If you had a marriage where someone is unilateral, I'm in this for what I can give. Of course, there's going to be benefits that come with that, but I'm here because I want to bring my love to the table. And I'm going to bring this love to the table regardless of what you do. And it's permanent. There's nothing you can do to break it. Can you see the kind of foundation that would have for a marriage? Can you see if marriages look like that? It would actually show what God is really like. Think about your relationship with God. Your covenant for him, I said this earlier, is your basis for intimacy. This is how we can come close to God because he has a unilateral covenant. He said, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Your job is just to accept it. Just enjoy it. Unconditional. I'm going to do this regardless of what you do. How many of you guys are glad that God loves you regardless of your condition? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And it's permanent. Nothing can weaken the bond, okay? So that's God's model for marriage. Let's conv- let's, uh, that was the covenant model for marriage. Uh, unilateral, unconditional, and permanent. Let's contrast that with a contractual view of marriage. Marriage is a contract. Let's put up that definition. A contract is a bilateral agreement between two parties, totally dependent upon the performance of the agreement. Okay? Um, well, let me just put it in one word. It's all about expectations. It's all about expectations. A contract, you know, when you, um, you know, when you have a contract with your repairman, you're not in a covenant relationship. You're in a contract relationship. I expect you to perform these certain things. And when, I, when you do, you expect me to perform certain things like paying you on time. That is a contract relationship. So many times people bring this idea of a contract into their marriage. Okay, If you view marriage as a contract, then marriage is legally binding only as long as that other person meets your expectations. When they no longer meet your expectations, it's time to find somebody new who will possibly meet your expectations. Wow. And in West Africa, they actually take this, in, in other parts of the world, they actually take this to an extreme. So they actually um, they view marriage where a, a wife is not so much property, but more like a garden, okay? And they actually haggle for a price for the bridal price, and they pay a price for the bride, and the, con- the contract is she is going to bear them sons. She's like a garden. And so in their mind, it's not wrong to have one, two, three, four, five wives if you can afford it. If you can a- afford five gardens, why wouldn't you afford five gardens? So this is contractual relationship, and you see what happens over there is men overextend themselves. And now they're married to now they're married to more wives. They got them in different villages because you don't want to put them all in the same village because they have chaos. And so they um so they uh they overextend themselves, and now they can't afford to support the uh the um all these wives. And so what happens is um basically the mom is left to raise the boy or the or the daughter by themselves, and now the wife has to go work. So now there's poverty introduced in the equation. And instead of the parents imparting identity, the uh, the child is typically raised by the maternal grandmother. It's a, it's a formula for poverty, right? That is extreme, and you can see it influencing some American relationships. How this, where people go and father multiple children, and they, they desert them, and poverty is introduced, and they're raised, and all these things. That's an extreme version of contractual of a contractual thing. You're like, well, Jim, um, that that's not my case. Well, let's look at more of a, a contractual. If you view marriage as a contract then the marriage is legally binding only as long as the other person meets your expectations. Here's the deal. Sometimes those expectations are stated, right? Sometimes the guy will be like, hey, I want dinner on the table and slippers at the door. I'm not saying that's a right to expect it. I'm just saying some people got these expectations that they want, all right? Uh, But a lot of times the expectations are unstated, and that's what's dangerous. When they show up with these expectations that are hidden, they got them behind their back at the marriage altar, and then they come out all of a sudden, and it's a big surprise to everybody, and everybody gets tense here. Okay, so what are some of these expectations? Some people expect, this person's going to make me happy. Guys, if you were looking to another relationship to make you happy, that's called idolatry. You're supposed to get your happiness and your security and your joy from God himself. It's a little water break here. Some of these ex- un- expectations. Remember, a contract relationship is all about Expectations. What are some of these expectations? This person will make me happy. That they find their soulmate. That this person is going to provide me with a certain lifestyle, whether that be financially, a certain lifestyle, or a certain like living arrangements, like the house is clean, slippers at the door, food on the table. There may be the expectation, I'm finding someone who's going to complete me. Listen, if you're not complete before marriage, you ain't complete after marriage, all right? If you're miserable, lonely, and depressed before marriage, miserable, lonely, and depressed Inside a marriage, now there's just two of you. Okay, there we go. Uh, some people's expectations is marriage means that I will have sex whenever I want. Wow. Was there booing and hissing that I just heard there? Just in case you uh, um, didn't get this memo, marriage is not a sexual free-for-all. There's times when women are on their menstrual cycles. There's times when you're traveling. There's times when one or both of you have diarrhea. And you're not feeling very sexy. And so your self-control before... Look at diarrhea and hymen. How are we doing here so far? Your self-control before marriage will serve you for the self-control that you're going to need inside of marriage. Thank you. We got more to go. If we expect our spouse to be God to us, he or she will fail every day. No person can live up to those expectations. We have to stop asking marriage for something that only God can give us. Okay? It's, uh, if you're expecting perfect happiness and conflict-free living, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Okay? Sometimes men and women have really goofy expectations in marriage. Right? And so uh, there's an old saying, women go into relationships thinking she can change him and a man goes into the relationship thinking that she will never change. Both are very wrong, right? And so like if love is blind, marriage is eye-opening, right? And so uh, some men think think that they can marry a woman and uh, she'll have multiple children and 50 years later she's going to look just like she did when she was 20. That's a man's expectation is that the woman is never going to change. That's only true with my wife. So, <laughs> You can make it true of your wife if you want. I've got these lenses on, and that's all I see is beauty. Some, uh, so men think women are never going to change. Women are so foolish to think that men are going to change. Listen, he's not going to change. When you were dating him, you were seeing him at his dead level best. <laughs> that, was, that was the high point. That was the high point of hygiene and manners, and thoughtfulness. A marriage that is about expectations is doomed either to divorce or ongoing levels of frustration. Because sooner or later, in some way or another, each of you is going to fail to meet the other's expectations. Listen, I believe that marriage as contract instead of marriage as covenant is responsible for a major portion of the dysfunction in America and all of this woke foolishness. If there was a better alternative to it, they wouldn't be looking to, I'll just call it woke foolishness, you can fill in the blank. So um, a covenant marriage says this, I am irrevocably committed to you until death separates us. My commitment to you has nothing to do with your performance or any choice you make. It's a unilateral commitment before God unto death. This is the commitment Jesus made to us in Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But we need that promise. But here's, uh, listen, listen to the covenantal language inside of a marriage ceremony. Forsaking all others, I will keep myself only for you as long as we both shall live, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. I promise to love you and cherish you, and nothing but death will separate us. What are they saying? I'm entering into a covenant with you no matter what. It's not like just sickness, it's just health. He's saying, come what may, no matter what, I'm entering into this covenant with you. I love you. If you're rich, if you're poor, if you're old or young, sick or healthy, no matter what. We might need to start adding some stuff into marriage vows, just to make make it extra clear here. I love you when she doesn't laugh at your jokes. I love you when you have PMS. I will love you if you go bald and the hair starts growing out your ears and your nose instead of your head. (laughs) I will love you if you gain weight, if your abs abs turn to flabs and your six-pack turns to a keg. I will love you if we go bankrupt. I will love you if the business goes belly up. I will love you when you're hateful. I will love you when you demean me. If there's illness in your life and I have to tenderly take care of you the rest of your life, I will love you. I'll tell you one of the ultimate pictures of a covenant. Um, You know, my dad passed away from an illness a few years ago and I watched my mom take care of him night and day by his bed for those last few months with tenderness with I love you giving him dignity that's a picture of a covenant guys that's what we're after sickness and health no matter what no matter what you bring to the table even when you can't give back to me I'm here to give to you because God sees marriage as a covenant not a contract the contract of marriage says I'll keep my end of the bargain if you keep yours if you're mean to me well then hey I can be mean back to you if you yell at me then I can yell at you twice as louder If you make make me unhappy or don't do what you promise, then I will leave you and find someone else who makes me happy and keeps their promises. Good luck with that. (laughs) Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, a passage that we'll look at more in another week. Paul says, marriage is the primary earthly picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. The primary way that this world's gonna know what Jesus is like is looking at our marriage. This means if you wanna find out how Christ relates to me, you ought to look at a relationship between a Christian man and a Christian woman. But what happens if you look at marriage, a Christian marriage, and you see a contract, okay? Um, if I see marriage as a covenant, I'm getting the correct picture. But what if I see a contract, okay? Um, now I'm getting the wrong image of what my relationship with Christ is like. This is really big. I don't think people consciously make these connections. I don't think they're literally saying, okay, I'm learning what God is like by looking at mom and dad. I don't think they're consciously getting this. But there's a spiritual impartation because God says, what, here's how Jesus' view of marriage. What, what God has joined together, man cannot separate, when two become one, when they get married, there's a spiritual union from heaven's perspective. That's why you, uh, you get married in a church, you can't get divorced at the courthouse. Marriage is, in heaven's eyes, a covenant. You don't go to a courthouse to have a contractual breaking up. Now, we're going to have a whole message on if Jesus ran divorce courts. I think people will find healing and freedom and hope. No, we really are. I'm going to do a whole message on it. No one talks about those passages. We're gonna look at it. I think it's gonna bring healing and hope to everybody. Okay? God hates divorce, but he divorced Israel. Okay, so we're gonna look at some things that you may not have seen before. It'll bring healing and hope to everybody, but I want you to just see in man's in God's eyes, in heaven's perspective, whether you're a Christian or not, you have formed a covenant with this person. Boy, it's quiet here. So I don't think people consciously understand that I'm imparting an identity of what God is like to my children. But the Bible says that's what happens. So what happens when a child looks at their parents and sees a contract marriage presented in the, in the marriage relationship? What's going to happen? It's going to release insecurity and fear of abandonment in the heart of a child. Why? Because the message that presented uh, by the parents is one of a contract. If you make me unhappy or don't measure up, I'm going to leave you and find somebody else. God's joined this together. He's, he's the one who created marriage, man and a woman. And part of it was, remember what he said was going to... Um, uh, create them in our image in our likeness we're going to be reflectors we're going to talk about that here in just a second so a child sees this and something is imparted into them that says i wonder what will happen if i make them ha- unhappy or don't measure up why do you think so many kids think that their parents divorce is their fault there's been a spiritual impartation of a contract and in their heart these feelings naturally get transferred to god you're thinking jim this seems a little extreme um, again, there's a spiritual reality that takes place in the two become one. Matthew nineteen three through 6, I alluded to this. The Pharisees are asking, is it law for a man? Listen, if you got a divorce in here, man, and you're, and you're remarried, make that your covenant marriage. Okay, I don't want anyone feeling guilty, horrible, and all these type of things. All right? And so I, I just want to make that clear. If you're divorced, you're welcome here. We, we love you here. We want God's best for you moving forward, whatever that looks like. But we got we to gotta just say what the Bible says we okay? Am I the only one sweating in here? Okay. And then they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus said, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Notice it's God who joins the husband and the wife together. He's the one who makes them one spiritually. He's the one that makes that connection. So whether you're a Christian or not, there's a spiritual reality that takes place when you get married where two become one. I want you to see God created marriage as a covenant, not a contract. And so in another place, he says, um, uh, he says, uh, Genesis 1, he says, I didn't give you guys a scripture. He says he created the male and female. He says, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, Okay. Part of the purpose of God creating man and women in in his likeness is to be a reflector of what he's like. Okay, I want you guys to get this. This is going to be good. Let us make man. Who's the us? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were involved in creation. We see that God the Father spoke. The Spirit was brooding over the waters. We see Jesus is supreme over all creation. New Testament, let us make man in, in our own image. I want you guys to get this. There is a unity of the Trinity, even though there's individual personalities. That's the model for marriage okay? The is not the son. The son is not the spirit, okay? The husband and the wife, they're still two people, but there's a oneness of purpose. Um, maybe the Trinity, maybe this will help some of you. Uh, Auntie Anne's pretzels, anyone into that? So imagine a pretzel with three holes, right? Hole number one is not the same as hole number two. Hole number two is not the same as hole number three, but they're all part of the same dough. There you go. The Trinity explained with Auntie Anne's pretzel. <laughs> he didn't just make man and woman. He made man, took uh, woman out of man, and then children came out of woman. He framed them that way because he's trinitizing the marriage. So God, uh, you see God in the Old Testament, and then proceeded from that, Jesus in the New Testament, and then the church age, we have the Holy Spirit. They didn't just all show up on the scene all of a sudden, all throughout Scripture. There was a progressive revealing of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He made it the same way in marriage, man, woman, children. Why? Because uh, in some mysterious way, we are to reflect what he is like. I thought that was powerful. Didn't really have a whole lot to do with anything, but I thought it was good. All right. Back to the kids of a contract marriage. Um, again, I want you guys to get this. I don't want anyone to feel bad about what they have imparted. Um, Adam and Eve had the perfect father, and they screwed up the entire universe. Okay. And so uh, you're responsible to your kids, not for your kids. If your kids make bad choices, um, listen, even if they had the best parenting, they still have a free will. Um, so you don't need to walk under that guilt. Like I said, Adam and Eve had the best parent in the world and screwed up the entire universe, all of creation. So, And if it wasn't them, it probably would have been me. So I'm glad I wasn't the, I wasn't the guy, right? And so it's, I want you guys to get this. We, we need to feel the weight of this so that we can get back to the solution. Uh, Kids of a contract marriage, there's a spiritual impartation of what God is like to the marriage. And so they begin to think, if I make God unhappy, again, they don't probably consciously think this, but it's imparted. If I make God unhappy or don't do what is right or leave him, or I'm unfaithful to him in any way, he's going to leave me and find somebody else. Well, this this creates that idea there's distance and separation between me and God. Because there's this conditional love that's introduced into there. There's this fear of abandonment. There's this intense performance anxiety. I better do everything right. I better not sin. Or Jesus will leave me and work with those who are much better than me. Welcome to most of the American church in performance trap. Parents, whether you realize it or not, you are the primary agent God uses to impart the image of what God is like. Good. Parents are the primary agents to impart identity, destiny, and blessing. Okay? And so marriage, is a con- marriage as a contract is motivated by a desire to get something. Mm-hmm. Marriage as a covenant says, everything I have is yours. In fact, I am now yours. Okay? You may be sitting here thinking, I can't love like that. You're absolutely right. Nobody can. Let's close in prayer. No, we're not going to close in prayer yet. You're absolutely right. Nobody can. Okay? But before there was planets or people, there was God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in community, and they weren't lonely. And just like parents, when a mom and a dad love each other, and out of that love they have children so they can share that love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit wanted to share their love with their creation. And so they created man, man and woman. The most shocking news to ever hit human ears is this God is love. This is shocking because it didn't say God has love. He doesn't say he's really loving. You ought to see this guy. He's really loving. No, he actually is love. For God to stop loving, he would stop existing. Okay? You and I have love. So uh, in human love, so it means we can have more of it today than we did yesterday. I just, I'm, you know, I'm more in love with her today, right? Because it's, it's an amount. That's human love, and we got to start somewhere, okay? But God doesn't love you more when you have a good day. He doesn't love you less when you have a bad day. First John 4 8 says God is love. Now, human love isn't like that. A lot of times we take this human love and we project it on God human love. When I fell, fell in love with my wife, just even look at that phrase, fell in love, as if it was like, you know, just coming along, just minding your own business, like a banana peel on a slip of ice, and I just, I was struck like a seizure. Like, I couldn't even do anything about it, right? Um, I was not walking around with this love, saying, who can I pour this upon, no matter how they act, no matter how they treat me, who can I just bestow this, my life upon, and no, 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 okay? I, I, I didn't uh, fall in love with her because I was full of love, um, Uh, She basically uh, laughed at my jokes, thought she was beautiful, and she liked karate movies. I'm like, this is the perfect woman. Will you marry me? See, human love depends on the beauty of of the beloved, right? It's the beauty of the beloved. It was the beauty of Mary that reached out to me and awakened something inside of me. And I said, boy, this makes me feel something. I want to give this back, okay? And so many times we transfer that to God. I think that's what God must be like. And so when I'm reading my Bible, his heart goes pitter-patter, pitter-patter. And when he sees me gossiping, he pulls back his love and his arms are folded. Now he might want bad things for me, right? And uh, one morning you get up and you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, and you think, God is through with me. Here's the truth. God loves you with an infinite passion, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. It's a completely different kind of love. Listen to uh, Isaiah 49, 15, and 16 in the New Living Translation. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Uh, any nursing mothers? Uh, I mean, Could you just forget about your kid? Will they let you forget about them? No, there's an alarm clock that goes off, like every couple hours, right? <laughs> can she feel no love for the child she has born? I mean, But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name in the palms of my hand. Man, God is really trying to get this point across. When it comes to marriage, God is saying, I want you to experience my kind of love for me so now you are able to be strengthened to give away this kind of love. It's interesting. What was uh, Andrew singing earlier? Uh, if, you, if you didn't watch the worship that Andrew spontaneously began to sing out, let us behold love, let us become love. All right, that's what I'm trying to say today. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> said, said it like two phrases. All right, there he is. There he is. Good job, Andrew. Unconditional love means I'm, I'm being loved without conditions and as I do this, I'm realizing that I've got perfect love himself. God, we're not doing this in our own strength. I'm not like, hey, guys, double your efforts, triple your efforts. This is his willpower day. You know, we're going we're gonna to stop eating sweets, too. And we're going to stop, we're going to start exercising every day. And no, we're not talking about this willpower thing, okay? What we're talking about is I'm receiving this love, so now I can give away this love. My perfect love lives inside of me. I love this picture of dancing with God. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17, the New Living Translation. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. The religious people of uh, Jesus today, one of the reasons they killed him is he was eating with all the wrong kinds of people. Jesus was loving all the wrong kinds of people. It was a scandalous love. People that the religious crowds didn't think deserved it. Guys, that's God's kind of love. It's on full blast. He loves God, he loves Al-Qaeda. And I can't even think of the terrorist groups, Nazis. Are there still Nazis? Anyway, he loves Nazis as much as he does charismatic Christians. He, are you ready for this one? He loves Democrats as much as he does Republicans. He loves Wolverines as much as he does Buckeyes. Oh, don't even start with me. The Bible says one day the lion will lay down with the lamb. The Buckeye will lay down with the Wolverine. You can read it. You can read it. Listen, God is inviting you to experience his love for you so that you can be that love for your spouse. Listen, marriage is God's idea. Marriage is not our idea, all right? True love needs to be the foundation. Let me just kind of close with this thought. Every marriage needs a third party, and that third party is Jesus. Listen to Colossians 1.16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, I love this part, and in him all things hold together. When Christ comes into your marriage, your marriage now has supernatural strength to be held together. When Christ is not in your marriage, you have your own strength. Think of it like this. Um, picture a triangle. So picture a a man with his his family of origin. He's leaving that family of origin, and he's leaning towards his wife. He's unplugging from one relationship. Not that they're disconnected, but there's just a higher priority. We went over this last time. By the way, remember we went over this last time. Marriage is the highest priority relationship. Some of you need to break up with some other relationships so you can prioritize this new relationship. We talked about the in-laws last time, and just so you know, If it's the mom, if it's the boy who needs to uh, have the talk with his parents, it's the boy who needs to have a talk with his parents, not the daughter-in-law. Men, you need to put on some big boy pants and have some tough conversations. Women, if it's you who are getting entangled and your uh, in-laws are, their in-laws, your uh, family of origin is gossiping and putting down your husband and putting all this swirl in there, she needs to be the one that says, listen, um, this is my husband now. And if you can't support that, then we will not be coming around here anymore. Some of you have friends from high school, from work, that you need to break up with because they're hurting your marriage. I'm not saying you can't have friends. I'm not saying you can't go out. Your spouse is not some control freak because they want you around more. But what I am saying is some of it is unhealthy, and you need to be the one to break up with them. Some of you need to break up with your obsession with work. It's become another spouse getting in the way of that. All right. When Christ comes into your marriage, you're, oh, yeah, 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 leaning. I'm gonna, it's going to form a triangle here, okay? I can't really like lean and like, totally do it here. Remember, Michael Jackson did that. That was good, yeah. that was. Oh, come on, somebody. That was good. So there, so there is a leaning away. There's a leaving this triangle. She's leaning this way, triangle, with God as the foundation. There's the, there's the foundation. There's the, and here's the good part. With God as the foundation, you're leaning towards... She's leaning towards him, he's leaning towards her. What if you put God at the top? And as you get closer to God, you get closer to each other at the same time. Was that like the magic triangle? Did that even make sense? All right. For my second closing, (laughs) see, that's how you know it's anointed, when you close more than once. I'm trinitizing the uh, closing. There we go. Marriage is your greatest opportunity for spiritual growth. Listen, guys, everyone has bad days. Everyone says things they wish they hadn't said, has a bad attitude, or is just downright selfish. Can, uh, men and women, can we just be honest? Every argument you've ever had with your spouse is because one of you is being selfish. There was never a time when you were both pouring out unconditional love towards each other and an argument just broke out. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, no, no that's not an argument. Someone has to go first. Someone has to be the big person and say, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry. Own your 1%. That's a whole other message. There we go. In closing for the third time, God uses your spouse to steer you back towards him. I don't know how many times I've said something stupid, had a bad attitude, been Mr. Krabby Pants, and um, recognize it. Mary helped steer me back towards the Lord in the way that only she can. And, uh, you know, when she forgives me and accepts me, I learn to receive God's forgiveness and acceptance in a tangible way. God's invisible. And so sometimes he's, uh, a lot of times he wants to illustrate it through your spouse. And in that moment, she's modeling God for me, helping me see the way that God looks at me rather than how I look at me. Marriage is a covenant and not a contract. Remember that house that I told you about in North Carolina with the $50,000 repair? You guys ever wonder what happened to that? So, um... Uh, at the time, $50,000 was more than I had. It was impossible. And so I don't remember, I was actually doing a series on finances. It was in 2011 in, uh, in Zion, and I was planning on doing six weeks, and it was week three I got that call. And If you remember, I got up there, and I, uh, I said, hey, guys, uh, I, I, I did a message on God is the owner. I'm his money manager. I said, Mary and I, we've already turned this house over to God. This belongs to him. I got this call this week, $50,000. I, I don't have an answer. And I said, but here's what I know. God is the sneakiest person in the universe, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. How many guys remember that message? Oh, two of you. Great. great. And so, um, God's the sneakiest person in the universe. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And I said, I guarantee you this. It's on recording. By the end of this series, I thought it was going to be a six-part series, I'll have a solution for this. I said, how do I know that? Because I gave this over to God. And so, uh, a couple days later, I'm just kind of driving. I wasn't really praying and interceding about it, waking up the intercessors in China We Baker needs an answer. There was none of that. I was just kind of driving down the road, just kind of enjoying the Lord. And his thought comes to me, call your buddy Micah in North Carolina. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to call him up. He was in real estate. And I'm like, hey, I got this situation, don't know what to do. Would you mind just going over to the house and seeing if the Lord gives you an idea? He's like, sure. He goes over there. The Lord gives him this genius idea. It was a $500 fix, permanent solution, and I got the tenant to pay for it. Come on, somebody right there. (laughs) Listen, guys, I've got some good news for you. I don't care how bad your marriage is. I don't care how crumbling the foundation is. God has a solution, and he paid for it. It is not up to you to get your spouse to pay for how they've been treating you, okay? One person walking in covenant changes the whole dynamic. When two become one, when one of those people begins walking in covenant love, it changes the entire dynamic. Now, that other person has free will, but I tell you what, things get sure, uh, shaken up when covenant love comes into it. The foundation has to be moving from contract to covenant. So here's what I want to do is um, I want to just, for every married couple in here, and uh, I want you to just have a, a chance to commit afresh in your heart and maybe sometime today to your spouse and just say, you know what? I've slipped into some contract things here, and I'm recognizing marriage is a covenant. It's not about what's in it for me. It's about I'm bringing this to you. I'm tapping into the supernatural. To bring this in we're going to impart something different to our kids we're going to part something different to our grandkids we're going to part something different to whoever's watching around okay you're literally changing the spiritual dynamics of your household when you do this and so um i'm just going to give you guys 30 seconds just between you and the lord just to say you know what do i need to do i need to do a little work here and uh repent of that if you have that contract that what's in it for me if you do this then it justifies me being me and all that type of stuff number one just repent of that contract stuff if you've if you just fallen into it, um, I will admit that Mary has fallen into this a time or two in the last 20 years of marriage, 29 years of marriage, so I'm just going to be transparent with you, and so have I, and so have I. I I've done these things too, but um, I, boy, I, boy, just talking about these things, and man, it seemed like God was really highlighting it today. I believe there's a supernatural grace for us to step into God's kind of love for marriage. That's what, that's what we need. So let's just take 30 seconds here, and just, uh, if there's anybody in that contract stuff, Lord, forgive me. Uh, remember, you're the one doing the changing. Not get my spouse. No, no, no. This is intercession. This is prayer. You talking to God. And so, um, see, so yeah, just 30 seconds. Repent of that contract for me, and just, just say, God, I'm going to make a, a fresh commitment to uh, a, a, a fresh drawing from you to have a covenant marriage. We'll get more into that. So, repent. Go for it. wrote this down during worship um i'm gonna i know we're not into like old testament laws i'm gonna give you a law no more using the word divorce when you're having arguments with your spouse the d word is too nuclear level you can't bring it in and threaten to leave Uh, all you're doing is holding up the contract no more contracts okay if you've done it before no one needs to be elbowing no one needs to feel bad we're just we're getting fresh revelation and a fresh chance for the holy spirit to say you know what no more no more threatening to leave Okay, but we gotta have we gotta build that covering. We gotta build that foundation that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Okay, Um, just uh, just uh, just a quick cool testimony. My wife and I have a a couple um, in our in our lives. They're they're married, and uh, the wife did some things that were unfaithful, and just really broke the broke the um, husband's heart. And so Mary and I get the call, and um, he's letting us know about the situation, and he's getting ready to confront his wife, and I. I don't remember what all we said. We said something like, you need to decide beforehand whether or not you're going to stick in this marriage, regardless of how she, he's like, I don't think I can do it. I said, totally understand. Totally understand. And so, but I said, "Um, but I said, just know what this is going to pass down to your kids. I said, you're you're deciding right now, not just for you, not just for your emotion, not just for your hurt, but what are you passing down to your children, whether whether you do this or not? This isn't just about you. I said, I'm not saying it's not hard. But I said, if you, if you want to believe for a miracle, you've got to go in there with an attitude, come what may. And so he, uh, he decided in, that, uh, in the car that he was going to fight for their marriage, come what may. Gets in there, finds out things were worse than he had thought. Things came out, difficult things came out. And um, I will tell you what, I've never seen a miracle like this before. I didn't have faith for this. But within about a week's time, God had completely restored their marriage Stronger than before, you're like, hold on, they're just covering stuff up. They gotta do this. Listen, guys, when God heals a tumor, the tumor's gone. Like like we can we can believe for broken bones to be reset and blind eyes to be open. We can believe for gathering demoniacs to become evangelists to the ten cities. We can believe for broken marriages to be healed. Okay, and so when one person changes, it, it changes the dynamics. I'm not guaranteeing that everything's gonna happen. Boy, boy, when you bring in the supernatural, anything's possible. God has a plan to make you more loving than you plan on being. You're going to be the one doing the changes. Stop fantasizing about your spouse changing. You're the one doing the changes. Instead of asking, why do we have these challenges and struggles in the first place? The more important issue is, how are we going to deal with these? In our own strength or with God? Okay, so if you've got challenges, you've got this foundation. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm bringing a different kind of love to the table, and uh, and we got these problems. We're dealing with God. If you guys will stand, we're gonna uh, close in prayer here. Mary already kind of took care of this one. Um, if you're just watching the message, if you uh, will go back to the live stream, we actually just prayed for that God would. Uh, for a supernatural releasing of restoration and reconciliation for marriages. And so I'm just going to kind of recap that. And um, God's really highlighting this, guys. I don't want this to just be another Sunday. I'm really hoping you're, you're feeling, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit's adding weight. I don't want to put use too much of my words on this to, to try to add it to it. But it's bigger than just you. It's your kids and it's your grandkids. So will you humble yourself today and say, you know what, God, I can't do this in my kind of love. I'm going to behold love so I can become love. Jesus, we love you, and we just thank you that marriage is your idea, and it is a great plan. And I thank you that everyone in here can have a whole new level of marriage, no matter how good or bad it is, because of what Jesus has done. So Lord, we just thank you that we are including you. You are our third party in our marriage. And those of you who aren't married, boy, I hope you're getting a vision for the kind of person you're going to be in a marriage. But maybe there's someone, uh, a daughter, a son, a friend, or maybe it's you, and um, you, you need some supernatural restoration in marriage. God, we are coming into agreement for a supernatural grace for reconciliation and restoration and healing of marriages. We really say it's supernatural anointing to heal marriages in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mary's going to come up and share something, and we're going to close it up. You got to...